Welcome to Funds in Focus by the senior members of the investment strategy team at FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds. Join our experts as they explore how current market trends are shaping the investment landscape. In each episode, you'll learn how a specific FlexShares ETF operates and how the market has impacted the fund, along with the potential long-term implications of your client's portfolio. Now, on to the show. In our final episode of the year, I'm joined today by two of our investment strategists who will share their perspective on the year ahead and three ideas to implement in portfolios today. Today, we are welcoming to the show for the first time, Chris Humer, Senior Investment Strategist at FlexShares ETFs. Welcome, Chris. And joining Chris is Ellen Chanowith. Welcome back, Ellen. So without further delay, let's get right into it. 2020 has been universally challenging for all of us and has brought on so many surprises, certainly one for the history books. While we can spend hours discussing the twists and turns and how everyone is concerned going into 2021, what do you think are the key points that impact the outlook for 2021? Jahan, what we have all experienced in 2020 will cast a long shadow over everything we do in 2021. From a financial market perspective, there are a lot of carryover effects. Though equity markets here in the U.S. have rebounded off of their March lows and interest rates remain subdued around the globe, there is still a lot to consider when we look forward to 2021. Some of the key questions revolve around things like, how long will it take global economies to recover? What will be vaccine adoption rates? How will the markets respond to the most recent stimulus bill and will there be more in 2021? Will the unprecedented amount of monetary and fiscal stimuli cause inflation to return? And how will the Fed respond to that? Investors have a lot to consider heading into next year. And that influences what we find intriguing and attractive within the financial markets for next year. Overall, with price multiples where they currently are, our belief is that risk asset returns are going to be muted. And the most likely scenario is that interest rates will remain low. In this environment, total return and portfolio diversification are key considerations for investors, and tools such as dividend-paying equities and a high yield are attractive to, to investors. Additionally, the prevailing trend we see from investors with which we speak is that they are evaluating companies beyond their economic viability and have increasingly evaluated the sustainability of a company's business model through environmental, social, and governance lenses, as well as through their financial prospects. And Ellen, you mentioned the impact of low interest rates and investors having to stretch for yield in the prior episode. Is this why you're highlighting dividend stocks? Yeah, exactly. So earlier this year, remember the Federal Reserve cut interest rates to that zero lower bound in order to support Mm -hmm. economic and financial stability. And throughout the year, the Fed has reiterated its stance to maintain that accommodative policy in order to support maximum employment and importantly, average inflation of 2%. So with this in mind, we believe that that lower for longer rate environment will persist for some time. Now, Chris also mentioned earlier our view that risk asset returns will be muted in the coming year. So though that outlook is optimistic, earnings may not recover quite as quickly as what is currently priced in. So taking these two pieces together, low rates and slower earnings growth, investors may be challenged to meet their long-term goals. Seeking out dividends is a potential way for investors to earn current income while still participating in an earnings recovery. Now, Chris, I know you have strong views regarding dividend investing. You talk about avoiding large sector bets and focusing on quality dividend-paying companies. Can you help our listeners understand why the focus on this? 
Sure, happy to. I think one of the most common misconceptions with dividend investing is that to obtain a compelling dividend yield, you need to focus on sectors such as industrials, utilities, financials, and sometimes even real estate. Historically, those were the places where people went to clip dividend payments in the past. However, the investing landscape has changed and there are compelling dividend payers in areas such as technology, healthcare these days that, and by limiting yourself to those legacy places to source dividends, you really end up taking a huge amount of tracking error for, from the market. Um, you know, when we look back at 2020, some of those areas where investors have traditionally gone for yield, financials, utilities, industrials, have been some of the hardest hit areas in the equity markets this year. So really by taking a broader approach and focusing on all sectors has given you uh, a better ride through 2020 from a dividend paying stock perspective. So one, so one of the things I always talk about with clients is being opening to source yield from all sectors. Another thing that we always talk about and focus on with clients is why we focus on the financial strength of the firm when it comes to evaluating dividend payers. What we at FlexShares commonly call quality is really just that. It's an evaluation of a firm's financial strength or financial health. And we believe that by evaluating a firm's current financial health, we gain a better understanding and better confidence that that dividend is well covered and the company has the ability to grow that dividend over time. Understanding a firm's profitability compared to its peers, its, its capital uh, financing decisions and external financing decisions, and especially in 2020, its, its cash flow levels and how it manages its cash flow has given us a better understanding compared to looking at, say, past dividend uh, payments. And we believe that really, truly quality is a better way of going about that process. Plus, it allows us to evaluate new dividend payers right when they start paying a dividend without having to wait for the firm to build up a decade or more of track record, which is always a benefit, having that wider opportunity set to, uh, to, to, to focus on. A great example of that was when Apple started paying a dividend uh, a couple of years ago, I think 2016. We were able to immediately evaluate Apple within the context of the technology sector and evaluate uh, its, its quality level uh, as a dividend payer immediately, as opposed to having to wait for it to build up 10 or 20 years of dividend history, uh, which has been a benefit to uh, the way that we look at dividend investing. So to put this in context of 2021, we feel that in the lower for longer rate environment with uncertainty around the timing and pace of the economic recovery globally, that an income generating dividend portfolio allows investors to collect that dividend income while also participating in the potential equity market upside at the same time. Thank you. Ellen, some argue that low interest rates may spell trouble for fixed income. How does this environment and the search for yield impact the high yield segment? Absolutely. Low rates certainly challenge fixed income investors through uh, decreased income stream, as well as negative price impacts in the event that rates begin to rise. But given our expectation for a lower for longer rate environment, our focus is on the former. Now, investors typically turn to corporate bonds as a way to potentially de-risk portfolios and generate a stable income stream. Today, we believe that that value proposition is challenged as investment-grade corporate bonds, measured by the Bloomberg Barclays Corporate Index, are currently yielding around 1.8%. 
On the other hand, high yield bonds, which typically come with higher coupons in order to compensate investors for taking on additional credit and default risk, are yielding around 4.4% as measured by the Bloomberg Barclays Corporate High Yield Index. Both of those figures are as of December 21st. Now, at those valuations, we believe high-yield bonds are more attractive than their investment-grade peers, and importantly, demand for the high-yield segment increased throughout 2020, and we expect investors will continue to seek out income-focused investments in the year to come, providing support to the asset class. Now, the other piece to consider in our outlook for impro- is the improving growth in 2021. Should this be the case, we think that high yield may benefit from improving leverage metrics, decreasing default rates, and credit spread tightening as the economy recovers. So if we take all this into consideration, the high yield segment may be an attractive income solution while still offering investors upside participation. You mentioned value. Why might investors want to focus on this in the high yield segment? Yeah, value investing really provides investors with a contemporary lens to identify attractive investments within uh, the fixed income landscape beyond some of the traditional levers like term and credit. And historically, this is especially important for high yield investors as that landscape has shifted over time. So we've seen a greater adoption of the asset class by the mainstream paired with persistently low rates and increasing credit quality over the last 20 to 25 years which has led to deteriorating credit premium, as well as reduction in that risk return trade-off typically associated with the asset class. Now, in order to remedy this, we focus on value as the key lens through which we evaluate high-yield credit, as it potentially improves diversification by improving exposure to that credit premium, as I mentioned, creates opportunity for capital appreciation by identifying securities trading below their intrinsic value, and may generate attractive levels of income versus the broader high-yield market. 2020 provided a really great example of the power for value as well. So the entire high-yield market was really indiscriminately punished earlier in the year. So that is, we saw option-adjusted spreads move higher across the board, and many issuers were trading well below their intrinsic values. This created a lot of opportunity to scoop up attractive issues that the quantitative model is viewed as mispriced by the market. Now, going into 2021, we think a lot of opportunity still exists in the high-yield market, and focusing on value may provide investors with an attractive, long-term risk-adjusted returns. And as we wrap up here, I'd like to point out how earlier, Chris, you mentioned how investors are evaluating companies through environmental, social, and governance lenses. Why is this such a focus for today? To be clear, this is a trend that we've seen and have been seeing and been conscious over for over a decade. What the pandemic has really done, and we've seen this in many different areas of the world, is really it's been an acceleration of this trend. And increasingly this year, more and more conversations with clients have turned to evaluating companies, not just on how they do financially, but on examining what they do and how they run their business. Look at the news and you'll see many examples of business models at risk due to poor controls around environmental, social, or governance issues. You know, I think if you look at some of the the state AG uh, lawsuits you've seen in either the healthcare space, some of the the lawsuits we're seeing in the technology space are great examples uh, of this. When I talk to clients that might be skeptical of, of ESG investing, 
that have trouble aligning sustainable investing principles with their traditional financial investing principles, what they need to recognize is that evaluating a firm through a set of ESG lenses has the potential to help avoid those long-term risks and potential pitfalls that the, the companies are evaluating. But Jihan, really, increasingly, the skeptics are, are becoming fewer and far between. And we're being asked more and more by clients for solutions that take sustainable investing into accounts across all the different segments of clients that we serve. And when I look forward to 2021 and, and look at areas where finding greater focus, truly ESG is one of those areas. So to sum it all up is when we look at the macro environment, as well as the, the, the current social environment we, we are in today, truly, you know, from our standpoint, three ideas that investors could take away for the year is one, dividend paying investing, you know, take advantage of the lower rate environment while still participating in the, the equity market potential upside. Two, high yield investing, again, focusing on that yield, uh, but also getting the portfolio diversification that you get from including high yield into a portfolio. And three, really starting to think about and find ways to incorporate ESG investing because a lot of times your, your clients are starting to look at this and they're starting to evaluate that. And so being in the forefront and having a solution in that space, I think really is key going forward and really is something that people should focus on for 2021. Yeah, and hopefully we'll be able to get back to some type of normalcy in 2021. Chris, Ellen, thank you both so much for your time and joining us on the show today. Thank you for listening to Funds in Focus. You can learn more about us by visiting our website, go.flexshares.com slash fundsinfocus. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. There's no guarantee that a specific strategy will be successful. ETFs are subject to specific risks, depending on the nature of the underlying strategy of the fund. These risks could include liquidity risk, sector risk, as well as risks associated with fixed income securities, real estate investments, and commodities, to name a few. FlexShares Quality Dividend Index Fund, QDF, is a passively managed fund subject to increased dividend risk as the issuers of the underlying stock might not declare a dividend or the dividend rate may not remain at current levels. FlexShares High Yield Value Squared Bond Index Fund, HYGV, is a passively managed fund that invests in high yield securities which are considered highly speculative and is subject to greater credit risk, price volatility, and risk of loss than if invested primarily in investment-grade securities. FlexShare Stocks Global ESG Impact Index Fund, ESGG, is a passively managed fund that invests in global securities. The fund is subject to environmental, social, and governance ESG investment risk, which is the risk that the ESG methodology may underperform the broader equity market or other funds that do not utilize ESG criteria. Foreign and emerging market securities may involve certain risks such as currency volatility, political and social instability, and reduced market liquidity.
The fund may be subject to concentrated risk of securities in a single industry or group of industries and increased volatility risk.